Immigration? Revenue. There are people here from the government. Baby, it's crazy. People are just like taking our stuff. Leave your finances to me, said son of a bitch. There's a very small amount set aside for you. And one asset the government has allowed you to retain. The kids. The children are dependents, Moira. You bought a small town in 1991. I bought that as a joke for my son. You can live there for next to nothing until you get back on your feet. Johnny Rhodes. Rolling shit. Oh, you're, you're the uh, mayor we're supposed to meet. That's right. So if you're looking for a nasty kiss, it's mine. You have a couple of sweets. No, this guy. This is a motel, so we cater more to off-road truckers and drunk teenagers. This God. place is a dump. I it's tried. a dump. You know what? It's a hellhole. This wine is awful. Give me another glass. God, we haven't been close. I don't want to be just written off as some gorgeous airhead, you know? This is my town. And you're gonna play by my rules now. I'm just messing with you, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> or am I? Johnny Rose, my wife Moira. Hi. Oh, I love your complexion. Join us for our Shits Creek series at patreon.com slash mistaken identity podcast. Hello to my wonderful Wrigley Field Game Day family, Kelly Kroll here, and first of all, I just hope this message finds you all safe and healthy, and if it brings just a little smile to your face, even better. I sure do miss you all, and I just really wanted to extend a very warm welcome back to the friendly confines. I know last year was so hard on all of us, and yet here we are. We've come so far together, and once again, we're getting to brighten the lives of fans as they start to make their way back to the ballpark. And I know one of the many lessons I learned last year is that that is a very powerful joy that we get to deliver. And our world could use a little bit more of that right now. So you're in my thoughts and prayers, as are all those from our Wrigley Field Game Day family that are now looking over us and singing that stretch with us each and every night. Have a terrific season, and I can't wait to get back and see you all again soon. All right, welcome to another episode of our podcast where we look at the uh, personal lives of the people that are inside and outside of uh, Wrigley Field. And uh, today we have a great, amazing episode. And we're actually being joined by a lot of people who are donors and donated. Uh, but before we bring the guest out, we have um, David is here remotely. David, how's it going? going great man i'm i'm kind of kind of warm i mean it's like what 85 degrees outside i'm like i mean i'm not complaining but it's it's, it's awesome how you doing man i'm good you know the clubs return home on friday so it might be snowing so hey you know you never know <laughs> <laughs> um also um also joining us today is uh dominic uh who has been uh joining us whenever uh david can't make it sometime dominic how's it going Oh, it's great. Uh, enjoying this weather. Um, like David, just happy to be here. Here we go. Another week ahead. Forward focused. I'm excited. Always. 
I swear, like I said, every time you never stop smiling. <laughs> Whenever we do a podcast episode, this guy is smiling, no matter what the topic is. We talked about race and we talked about Obama and Trump and it was a little back and forth and he's just smiling and everything is great. And everything. <laughs> just, don't, just don't talk to me about laundry or doing chores, then I'm out of here. I'm done. <laughs> hey, 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 Dom, man, I got a quick question, man. Um, are you, uh, are you uh, cooking chicken right now or are you okay? You know, honestly, I actually made some fish, but I put it all away before we got started. So no noise, oh, nice. no aluminum foil, <laughs> no banging pans. We good. Nice. <laughs> Shout out to uh, his his partner. Uh, she's like, what's her name again? I'm sorry. I, I, no worries. I, uh, so, yeah, on our episode, we um, <laughs> our debut episode, uh, my my wife, she's in the background. Just I told her um. Look, babe, uh, I'm going to get on a podcast with a couple of buddies. So when you come home, just try and be quiet or, or just, you know, be mindful. She said, that's fine. That's cool. Soon as she walks in the house, she comes right in the kitchen and starts <laughs> going through the oven, trying to get her food. And you just hear all this clinking and clacking and the aluminum. And she's even in the background trying to whisper, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But she's eating. And so it was fun. It was all natural. It was hilarious. She's 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 a star for sure. More popular than me, for sure. I can tell you that. I know for me personally, uh, I was thinking in my, in my head, I was thinking we're trying to combat stereotypes. And here we are here <laughs> frying chicken and talking about eating chicken on the podcast. <laughs> and we're trying to combat. I would, eat some water, I would eat out some watermelon and we would have just met every stereotype that there is. But no, you said, you're, I said I, I made fish today. I made fish today. So a little, a little baked salmon. So I had to, you know, diversify myself. But the chicken is still in the kitchen. I still got some chicken. <laughs> and the funny part is, I'm having chicken tonight. So that's kind of funny. Oh but, <laughs> let's, uh, let's go ahead and bring on our guest, uh, who yes. uh, I'm excited to have. Uh, and again, most, all of, actually all of our donors who have donated some money. Um, most of them are actually watching uh, this podcast uh, live as we do it. But the wonderful, amazing... Do the new mother, um, actually, might be called the mother to us all at Wrigley Field is uh, <laughs> with us today. And please welcome Abby Suarez. Abby, how's it going? A uh, good, actually. New mother, my husband just texted me, Is the baby awake? Um, <laughs> so I, I apologize. Is the baby, baby awake? Um, no. <laughs> Um, Abby, so uh, I apologize for that, but thanks guys for having me back. Really excited. Um, it was so nice to see you all come together and, um, really make such a great contribution to Frank's birthday afterwards. You, I, I've never seen a group come together and the amount of money you raised really, um, was significant and we so appreciated and it went to, uh, help pay a mortgage for a family, um, that was going through a really hard time, um, and, and needed the support. Otherwise it'd be, um, the, they were getting evicted. So, well, with the Chicago laws, but they, they were afraid of being um, not having housing. So your support was, was really instrumental to their, to their health. So thank you guys. And it's funny because uh, my original goal was, you know, I don't know what the response would be. And uh, so I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to raise $200. And it was either a lease or Mary. One of them told me, Frank, you need to bump that goal up a little bit. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But within 24 hours, I think it was that one, I think it was that one grand within 24 hours. And I'm just like, what? Whoa. So um, I definitely thank everybody for doing that because, uh, you know, people don't have to support you. So 
um, I'm glad that we can do that for you and your foundation, uh, Abby. Yeah, it's, it was amazing. So thank you guys for helping us continue to help these families and no family should ever have to worry about bills when they're worried about their child and their, their health. Um, they should all just be able to be together and keep that child safe and healthy and um, enjoy that time together. So you guys brought that to a family and we really appreciate it. Now, you also helped, uh, I believe, or work with David and David has uh, some comments for you. So let's get David. Come on, David. Yes, I just wanted to, again, extend my my heartfelt thank yous and appreciation for you and what you've done for our family. I can't even like put it into words. It was so amazing how you just reached out so quickly and, you know, you got the ball rolling on things and Frank, obviously he knows that, you know, we do this all the time. So he, he hates me for this, but, you know, I, I really, I can't, I can't thank you guys enough. I can't thank you, my family, everyone, you know, with my son's condition and things of that nature. It's just like, I really appreciate you guys and, and thank you for reaching out and thank you for, for like taking care of us. We really appreciate you. Right. Well, thank you. I didn't know you were going to uh, say that or tell everybody that today. So um, I, I appreciate it and no, we're always here to support you in any way. And you saw your colleagues come together um, and some of their support um, as well too. So thank you. And we're here for anything you need, but no parent should ever have to go through what you're going through. And, to see your colleagues all come together and um, your group uh, really come to support you was, was amazing. I think the important thing was like the support, like just, just talking to us and just like giving us communication and giving us like the encourage to just move forward and things of that nature. That, that, that speaks volume. That, that's larger than anything anybody can ever contribute. And, and I really appreciate it. Again, thank you guys. I, I really appreciate you guys. So um, if uh, if you don't mind, David, um, I uh, I don't know the backstory uh, between um, kind of the where you're coming from. So do you mind kind of uh, helping us who don't know understand like um, your kind of situation, please? Yes, the uh, backstory is that my son was diagnosed with a brain tumor in 27. 2017, 2018, I believe. He was playing football and he got hurt on the field. So when he got hurt, you know, we're just looking at it like what, matter of fact, I was at work and my wife was taking care of the kids or whatever, going out and supporting his games and things of that nature. And I was, again, I was at work. So when I got the call, I'm like, all right, okay, is he okay? Is it cool? I'll leave work, you know, whatever. You know, first thing, I'm I'm jumping out. I'm, I'm leaving work, so it doesn't matter. You know, everything's fine. Everything's cool. You know, just like a, like a slight concussion and things of that nature. So one test led into another. And then one test led to another. And we're at the hospital. And... He has to go see a specialist. We're like, wait, what's going on? Like, something, something's wrong here. So when he goes to the specialist at Lurie, that's when they diagnose him with the, the tumor. We didn't get the results, like, right away, obviously, but he got it a few days later, and it put us through a whole, like, different situation. It was like, 
something that like that happened like that. It was it was like I still can't put it into words. I can't. It's like it was so it was so heartbreaking and then Oh my god, man, I had to cry early. I can't cry again. <laughs> I'm sorry for um, asking you, brother. I don't no, 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 if you're no, uncomfortable, we don't we don't have to go in. No, no, I just no. I'm, I'm totally I'm totally okay with it. It, it I, you know what? And it's a testimony, man, because you know, this was years ago, like a couple years ago, and I just break up because I just to see what he went through, it's it's unimaginable. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And he had all these tests ran on him. And then he had the biopsy. And I think that was the worst. That was the worst thing I could ever see in my life. I can't, my son was just like, oh, good. I can't, I can't stop crying. He just, he held together through everything. He was so strong. He was like trying to play basketball in the, in the room and everything. And man, it, it was tough, but like, you know, to answer your question, like that's how we found out he was playing football, and you know he got diagnosed with that. Like we had to, as a matter of fact, I'm going to send you a picture of it. He had to get transferred to another hospital because he had to get transferred to Lurie because the hospital that he was at they didn't specialize in like you know children, you know, testing and all that stuff, and MRIs and all that. And, you know, it's just um. It's just so amazing to see how he came out of that. And he just he handled it. And the thing for us is that we had to travel back and forth, take off work. We missed a lot of time at work. You know, my wife was taking time off to, she would go in early and leave early to be with him at the hospital while we were there, you know, doing his radiation and things of that nature. I apologize, guys. I'm so sorry. And, um, oh, well, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll, let me let you catch your composure. And, and um, let me just ask Abby, Abby, is this what you hear on a daily basis? Abby, do you hear these stories all the time? And then we'll come back to David when he catches his composure. But do you hear these stories all the time, Abby? Yeah, unfortunately we do. Um, I get a lot of these emails at night when I'm getting to bed and I, I'll go crawl back in with my child and uh, get a few more cuddles and um, kisses in there just because they're just so heartbreaking. And a lot of what David's saying is true. You you lose one of your incomes. A parent has to stop working or a parent has to take off work. And because somebody has to be there with your child. It's um, even if you could leave them, you can't because they're underage and so somebody needs to be with them at all times and we see a lot of parents then start struggling financially um, on top of all the emotional stressors they're feeling um watching their child get biopsies and watching them get a port put in them um so i mean anthony talks about it all the time um his parents would have been would have had to file for personal bankruptcy if it wasn't for the uh, Boston Red Sox and Theo stepping up to pay all of their bills because they went from a two income household, middle-class income um, to his mom having to stop working. And she was a bartender. If you don't show up to work when you're a bartender, you're not making money. Um, and his uh, Lori's uh, mom was also going through cancer at the same time. So they all of a sudden went from two incomes to one income, plus all the extra medical bills. Um, plus you have to decide what parents, 
holds the insurance, that parent needs to start keep working um, and managing that. And it's just a lot of stressors on these families in a time where the stress is already unbelievable. Um, so it can be very overwhelming and exhausting. And um, we see a lot of it, unfortunately. And did, uh, did COVID, the pandemic, make things worse or like... It absolutely um, made things worse. We saw about like a 300%, 250, 300% increase in grant requests at the beginning of COVID. And a lot of those requests were for secondary housing. Um, if we can all remember back 14 months ago when we didn't really know anything about this and everybody was really scared, doctors were coming home and sleeping in garages away from their families because they, they were around COVID patients. These kids are the most at-risk population that we have um, besides the elderly. Um, they're immunocompromised. They don't have white blood cells. They're going through chemotherapy, which has completely wiped out their defense system. And they, we had parents and who needed to keep working to keep the health insurance. So they requested grants to pay to get another apartment for a few months or stay at um, hotels so that they weren't coming back into their house and exposing their child to possible COVID. So it was, you, you had parents, you have a child going through cancer. You don't know how long you have with that child and you're choosing to go live in a hotel for two, three months because you have to keep working because you need your health insurance um, and you need to pay bills. And that's just a horrible choice to see some of these families have to make. So the work that, um, you do in the foundation, obviously it's very vital and important. Uh, is there anything planned for 2021 that uh, you know, people that are listening can get involved in or um, activities or? Uh, yeah, right now we're, we're hosting something called the Rizzo series. Um, we're really excited. Last month we rented out an entire, with Camp One Step, we rented out an entire drive-in movie theater. Um, and we had a hundred families, cancer families out to the drive-in um, they all kind of stayed in their cars or right in front of their cars and got to watch a movie. Uh, Anthony, Jack Peterson and Jake Arietta actually all came out and just got to see the kids from afar. Um, MLB COVID protocols. They can't really go and schmooze. And then we created its ordering system where uh, the families could order on the apps food and the food got delivered directly to their cars. And we heard from so many families how amazing it was to feel normal again. Um, as we all kind of return back to our lives, um, as, as the world gets vaccinated, these kids under 12 still can't get vaccinated and their parents, um, a lot of cancer summer camps have been canceled because they can't risk bringing these kids into a situation, the liability, the, the thought of a child getting sick with COVID and being exposed at their camp. So their summer camps are still canceled this summer. So as the rest of our kids have, are going to camp or my kids are back in school, they're still being held to virtual learning. And so giving them that normal night out was, we had, we had families crying. It was, it was amazing experience. So this in June, we've rented out the entire Santa's village. Does anybody know what that is? It's um, a kid's amusement park in Dundee, Illinois. Um, really cute, kind of for ages 12 and under. Um, it's a little like a mini six flags or a kitty land. And we've rented out the entire facility from four to uh, 9 p.m. at night um, and invited out 150 cancer families to come and enjoy the, the park where there'll be no lines. Everybody will be wearing a mask. 
Um, we're giving out hand sanitizer and wipes so, and giving enough time between rides for families to wipe down. If they're going to go get on the car, wipe down, wipe down the car they're going to get on. Um, so create it as safe as an environment as we can for these kids to come out and enjoy because there's no way a child going through chemotherapy can go to a Santa's village on a normal day with all of those people um, with the large crowd, wait in lines with the heat. Um, and then we have dinner being served for everybody. And then in July, this just got approved. Um, Tom Ricketts has been very generous and is donating Wrigley Field to us. Um, and we are going to have about a hundred cancer families out to Wrigley Field to play catch in the outfield, have a picnic on the field. And um, depending on the date, maybe watch the all-star game or the home run derby, or um, we haven't finalized the date yet. Otherwise I'd give it to you guys just waiting on that back from the Cubs, but we're really excited. They're going to be able to go see the new press box. They're going to be able to go kind of hit, um, uh, take some swings in the batting cages and things like that. So these are, um, I was sitting with a parent the other day um, at the Cubs game, actually. And he was telling me that he um, came out to one of our catch in the confines when I was with Cubs charities and he brought his dad out. We had invited him out and one month later, his dad got diagnosed with cancer. And he says it is the, it was his dad's bucket list. It was his dream and how much that has meant to his family um, that they have the picture of them together, throwing around the ball in Wrigley field. I think some of us sometimes forget that being at Wrigley all the time and um, being able to walk on the field once in a while, what it really means to a lot of these families. Um, so we're going to give this opportunity for these cancer families to be able to experience catching, throwing a ball to your son on Wrigley Field and make sure that they have that. All right. So I want to share one Rizzo story that just happened to me last homestand. I'm going to let Dominic uh, uh, have his question and then we're going to let you go so that our, um, our audience that are watching us can uh, ask you some questions outside of the podcast. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, last homestand, um, I was about maybe a minute from being in the elevator with Jason Hayward. Everybody knows that Jason Hayward is like, um, you know, I'm a huge Jason Hayward fan. Supervisors now enter and exit the same way the players do. Um, and as I came out of the locker room, everybody's like, Frank, were you in the elevator with Jason Hayward? I'm like, no, what do you mean? Like, he just walked by. So the next game, I come out of the locker room and some other people are like, Frank, did you just see Jason Hayward? I'm like, no, I didn't see Jason Hayward. Like, what? Like, you just missed your chance to ride the elevator with him two days in a row. Like, you got to get on this. You got to get on this. So, <laughs> Day number three, um, the elevator about to close. So I run in real quick and my phone rings. There's somebody in there already. The phone rings and I try to answer it before the door closes real quick. And they're like, um, Frank, Jason Hayward is um, coming out, come back out. I'm like, I don't need to get on the elevator with a Chicago Cub. I got the phone. The Cub in the elevator was Rizzo. <laughs> and it was just the most awkward moment in the world um, saying, I don't have to be in an elevator with a cub. Like, and then there's the cub. Um, standing behind me. <laughs> it was the funniest thing ever to happen to me. And I was so like embarrassed because, you know, I'm on the phone saying, I don't need to be in an elevator with a cub. And I'm standing behind one. So that was. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, was karma's real. They call you karma out. is real. No, he played it off. He's like, he, he's so nice. They just like played it off. Even though I was stunned. Like, he just played it off, though. Uh, there was somebody else in there, too. But it was just really. Um, really fun, but go ahead, Dominic. That's hilarious. Um, so this is more like a two-part thing I wanted. So the first part, Abby, I just want to give you like 
as many accolades that we can all give you because um, I got to say like one word that pops into mind when I hear about everything you are uh, doing for everyone else, despite like having to essentially bear, share their burden with them when it comes to just that trauma, uh, you're so poised. And I can remember now, like now that we're talking and it's been some time since we've actually been in person, but I remember meeting you um, when I was at the 1914 club and you're the same, like your demeanor has always been like, and I can sense it now, like, what can I do for others? And so I just want to say like, that's a super amazing mentality. And the work you're doing is like above and beyond the atmosphere. So um, just listening to David's story and how you helped him and then all the other families and the things you guys have planned out for them to make them feel like, you know, there is a sense of normalcy again in, in their lives. Like, and not one time in this whole thing did you mention anything that you you were doing. And so I just want to say your your poise and your command of helping others is uh, uh, amazing. So um, thank yeah, you for let that me, let me, I'm sorry, let me jump in right, real quick. Um, I just wanted to, um, I'm sorry, guys, I was getting emotional things of that nature, but Abby is like, I met her a couple times the one thing about her, like you said, she's always the same. She doesn't like, you know, get off one way or another. And we thank you. And I think this is this is what it boils down to. We thank you so much and we appreciate you for all the hard work you put in, all the things that you do. And congratulations on your new addition to your family. So we just thank you and we appreciate you. Well, thank you guys. I am extremely lucky. The Rizzo family allows me to do what I get to do. And without Anthony in their backing, I wouldn't be able to kind of help coordinate these families. And um, it, it's really them um, who who's doing all of this. I just, I get to be the lucky one who makes the phone calls. So um, it, it's really fun to be on the ground and be um, kind of the Excel spreadsheet behind the Rizzo family. Um, but it's their love and their kindness that allows the Rizzo Foundation to do what it does. Like, I don't want to make Frank jealous because we're saying thank you to you more to him this time because usually <laughs> it's always thank you, Frank. <laughs> Sorry, Frank, she's beating you out, buddy. She's thank doing God. it, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but we've gotten some great sponsors from that 1914 club. So you will yeah. see me a little bit more, but um, being in there, we have a donor who is very generous and has donated a bunker box to us. And so we're able to bring wow. out families fighting pediatric cancer and um, give them not just the Wrigley experience, but a VIP Wrigley experience and cover their food and drinks and give them the best seats in the house. And it's always fun going to the game with them and then um, watching, watching them watch the game from those seats and experience Wrigley Field that way. So um, love that 1914 club. <laughs> Uh, so I'm gonna, I'll, I'll ask this one question to you, Abby. Um, despite the uh, pandemic and all the kind of setbacks that it brought to us, your plans to move ahead, um, would you call that like your silver lining? Like how much of the, uh, the planning and what more do you have in store for like, you know, your, your foundation or the Rizzo Foundation? Well, we have a lot in store. We have a lot hiding kind of up our sleeve, um, but we need to know if Anthony's going to be here long-term. Um, I, I would love for him to be a club forever, um, but personally, and for the foundation, if he is a club forever, we're going to make a huge impact on this city. 
And that's really why I want him to stay here for, I'm a Cubs fan, but I want him to be here forever because I know what we can do if we're in this city long-term. Um, we have lots of plans ready to go um, and people to impact and programs we're about, we're going to launch, um, but you can't launch those things if you're going to leave in six weeks. So um, we're, I know, trust me, I cry every day. I think about it every night. So I'm hoping we're here long-term and we get to do a lot more for the families, but we will always be helping families of Chicago, no matter where we are. Um, and I think we have a great base and donor base who will follow us wherever we will go. Um, but Chicago, Chicago is where we kind of started with this Chicago and Florida and I'll always kind of hold a piece to our hearts. Um, but selfishly, I hope he, he signs a long-term contract with the Cub because I know what we can do for this city. And I know what we can do for these families who, who need our help. Yeah, that's great. Anthony's got some big lofty goals of what he wants this foundation to do in Chicago. He's been having me research and put things together for him. So his goal is to stay here and his goal is for, I mean, Anthony Rizzo's name to be synonymous with the Cubs and synonymous with making a difference. So. I'm sure it is definitely. I mean, you, you hear Rizzo's name nowadays, despite what may happen in the future. Um, I, I can remember just every time, like everyone was so excited about his presence. So like you said, no matter where you where, no matter what happens in the future, the, idea is still so strong that it'll pretty much grow like kind of emulate anywhere you know what I mean so um yes I'd love to see Anthony be the next you know I mean Mr. Cup nobody could take Ernie's Ernie's spot that man was very very special um uh funny story he actually told me I was going to marry my husband um who I ended up marrying but I would love to see Anthony be the next Mr. Cup I'd, I'd love to see him carry this franchise to the future and um be as impactful as ernie was i mean i think he just looks good in a cubs uniform can we do the uh question with abby or no the 2016 question or no uh we can uh we're uh seven minutes over uh what we're supposed to be (laughs) (laughs) but we can't we're gonna ask her real quick and then um we're gonna end this so that our guests ends that are live here they get a chance to talk yeah. to her so abby uh david wants to know about the 2016 like world series um where were you at when it happened what were you doing were you uh nervous as i was or i was in the hospital um the san francisco we played san francisco right yeah that was the game Andrew. we came back on oh yeah my, that hus- was it. my husband who is the director of uh pro scouting of international pro scouting and minor league development was with me in the hospital um, we were watching the San Francisco game on the TV and, uh, he's like, can we turn it off? I was like, no, I got, we, we got to keep it on. We got to keep it on. I want to watch this game. He's like, we're having a baby. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Anthony does something really great on the thing. He got a hit something like that. And I go, yeah, baby. He goes, you better be talking about our baby and not Anthony. <laughs> and you hear my father-in-law and my father outside screaming, yeah, the Cubs came back and won that game. And about five minutes after we won that game, I pushed out a baby. Oh, my God. Um, and then uh, I was uh, I had a lot of complications after the birth. I was paralyzed um, for a little bit. I had nerve neuropathy. And so I was home and my husband got to travel um, for the game. So I, I was at home and he was enjoying the world series, but the Cubs were very nice enough to get me a handicapped, um, bus. So I could, uh, join on the, uh, uh, parade. 
So oh, I was in a wheelchair amazing. for a little bit. Yeah. So, um, but so I got to come out and enjoy the parade and be a part of that with him. I was very excited and proud to um, watch him after he's been with the Cubs for 15 years, be him, be able to watch him celebrate that. All right. I, I was at home with my baby celebrating and Anthony sent me a, a picture of him holding the trophy on the plane, him and Emily and his mom on the plane and saying, we're bringing it home to you. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's a very cool one of my favorite photos. And he made he made my husband hold the ball, the, the final ball. The one he put in his back pocket. Yeah. He found my husband. And he goes, you got to hold this for me because he didn't want it to get all covered in champagne. So my husband <laughs> would hold, held that until it got authenticated. He's probably still holding on to that today. Oh, fun stories. No, he gave it to Tom Ricketts. Oh, the there you go. A famous ball that's worth like a million bucks. I would have switched it out. We he was on the I am I I'm going too long, but he was on the parade bus and me and his agent were both getting reached out to from people offering him hundreds of thousands of dollars for that ball. And he said, Nope, I'm giving it to Tom Ricketts. That's that's the man who deserves this ball. But as he was on the parade, we're texting him like, You just got offered this, you just got offered this. And he's like, Nope, it's going to Tom. Hey everybody, Joe Flaherty here with the Mistaken Identity Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We want to thank you for your continued support. We also want to extend a heartfelt thank you to those of you who have written reviews, dropped some likes, and shared our shows as that has allowed us to grow beyond any of our expectations. As a matter of fact, we're excited to announce a new way for our loyal listeners to enhance their experience even more with our new membership feature. All you have to do is jump in the show notes and follow the link to our Patreon page where you can find access to a whole bunch of extra goodies for as little as $3 a month. You'll be given access to exclusive content, merchandise, behind-the-scenes video, early access to episodes, the ability to make special requests for guests, and much, much more. Now, if that sounds like something that interests you, head on over to Patreon and search Mistaken Identity Podcast or simply follow the link in our show notes to join the likes of Nancy Sullivan, Alice Daniels, and Kathy Chester at the rookie level, all the way on up to the Hall of Fame level with longtime listeners Kathy Weedley and Kathy Grossman. As always, we can't leave without our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time.